it down. All for your feet. This is Muddy Waters. Uh, John Lee Hooker. Oh, John Lee Hooker, sorry. Put you in my house. Put you in my house. Boom, boom, boom. I remember singing this on the street in um, Blues Brothers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, it's time for the pub crawl. You may want to tune in as I uh, crack open a few topics with a few buddies. We crawl from topic to topic, current affairs, pop culture, even touchy-feely relational stuff. <laughs> this week on the pub crawl, a couple of my oldest friends, my oldest friend, not in age, but in length of time, he and I first met each other in kindergarten, Mr. Andy Walton. Andy, I trust you are there. Hello, Drew. Hello, Tim. Hello, Andrew. And then um, my first camp counselor at camp, which is a good place for a camp counselor to be, uh, Mr. Gord Tranter. And, of course, Gord and Andy both were around at the start of the show. They both helped create this Frankenstein. I blame you both. Gord, how are you, buddy? But you always mistell that story about me being around at the start. I wasn't there at the start. I came in, like, about the second year. No way. Yeah. No, because, I mean, technologically, you helped me... Yeah, Did but you know? I came along. You already had a website. You'd already been on the air for about a year. Really? Yeah. Well, don't wreck a good story with facts. From now on, you've been there from right. the start. Okay. 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 That's okay. fine. All right. Let's just re. re uh, it's easier that way. <laughs> it's so much easier. So much easier. All right, yeah. guys. Let's get into uh, one of our topics first here on the pub crawl. Um, I've got to be careful how I say this one because I, I was going to ask sort of permission, but then I realized. I, I, it, would, it might get the people even more wound up uh, about it. And so I'm just going to do this anonymously, uh, obviously. So here's the scenario. And, I, and the reason I bring this up is because this came up in conversation with some friends uh, down in L.A. And, and, uh, and, and some of my Jewish friends, we, we talked about, because it was Yom Kippur this week, we talked about forgiveness and atonement and, and restoration of you know rights and wrongs and all that kind of stuff. So this, this thing came up. Here we go. So I've got a friend who's... Uh, 20-something-year-old daughter was sexually assaulted by her boss. And, uh, you know, it was a drinking thing, and, it, you know, it wasn't a full-on Bill Cosby, John Gameshi kind of deal, but it was pretty pretty close. Isn't that nice to have those names uh, referred to in this situation all the time? They approached uh, Buddy there, and they said, this is, you know, Dad, Dad stepped in. This is not cool. And uh, basically what they did was we either are going to uh, f- uh, press charges or we're going to sort of settle out of court, and, and it's your call. And then they negotiated on money, and then they finally decided to settle out of court. Uh, and then also, because it, there's a Ross, it needed some great references, too, because she's you know she's got to move on to something else. So so instead of pursuing criminal prosecution, uh, they decided to settle out of court for money. So we, the whole conversation revolves around this, this Yom Kippur conversation I was having with my Jewish friends down in L.A. last week. And, and, and my, I just got to thinking about the Jesus people and the whole... And, you know, the turning the other cheek thing. And then there's a verse that says, the only thing I think in the scripture that talks about suing is don't sue other Christians. Christians shouldn't, shouldn't sue Christians. Christians should work it out amongst themselves. And even that, some people are like, well, yeah, but if they do this, I don't care if they're a Christian or not, I'm suing them. So I, I was thinking, you know, when you settle out of court, it kind of feels like eh, you're just going for some cash. So why wouldn't you prosecute criminally? And then I got to thinking about, about this angle. Well, if you do the criminal thing, man, that goes on forever. And this poor girl is going to have to relive that crap so many times throughout the criminal process, the procedures and the whole thing. So, guys, I'm, I'm a little stuck on this one. Uh, Andy, let me throw this out to you first. Your reaction? Uh, which part? Man, I, I, uh, I lost track. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the first part, I think, is um, everything's a crime. I mean, like... 
how do you forgive one thing and saying, okay, well, we're going to uh, press charges for murder, but we're going to just turn the other cheek for for uh, sexual assault, as an example. So I don't know that you can say, you know, just forgive the person because uh, a crime is a crime. Um, so you have to go after them. You had another question in there, I guess, that started relating to... Um, well, I'll let Tim answer the next part here. Her, or, uh, sorry, Gordo. No, but hold on. Why do you have to go after them? Why do you have to go after them? If someone commits a crime against you, why do you have to go after them? Well, like I said, because uh, it, 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 how do you differentiate between, okay, sexual assault, I'm, I'm going to turn the other cheek, I'll forgive you, but if you murdered my brother, um, you know, that one is prosecutable. How do, how do you decide which one is which? It's a crime. Uh, you know, crime is crime. But have you never forgiven someone for committing a crime against you? Like I had someone, no, I had someone I, I, steal I, 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 some I, I, steal menial things from me one time. I was like, ah, whatever. I actually, you know what I did? I went to the court, court, whatever the court area, place, building, and I and I got out some uh, some legal documents that are like a carbon copy stuff, and I filled it all out, all official, typed it all out, which basically meant you were going to be summoned, or there was some, I don't know, some legal jargon, and I, <laughs> I mailed it to the guy. And he totally called me. I was like, this is crazy. You're not doing this. I can tell this is you writing this. Anyway, sorry. That's the kind of justice we yes. need. Just joke justice. Duh. I was kidding about taking you to prison. Yeah, steal a box of Bubble King or whatever. And I Okay, forget. don't bring up bad stories from my past, Walton. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, uh, Gord, your take on all this? Yeah, I, I think I uh, sort of agree with Andy and you know, getting a sense of what he he was saying. It's, it seems a little weird that... You know the what somebody who's a, a victim of sexual assault. What what is going to help them? Is money going to help them? Uh, is that really going to be the answer to fixing no, the no. damage that's caused by this? No. And here, but here's the pushback for that. The pushback is no. Of course, money isn't going to help. But let's say this girl has a really hard time recovering, focusing, feeling good about herself, getting back there out there in the job market, just you know, she's just having shutdown days after shutdown days and then also needs to pay for some counseling and therapy, et cetera. So so it it does help, is what you're saying. It does help. I think it can help. I don't think it's the answer. Yeah. The other side of the coin is what you know, what what does this do for society, I guess you could say. I mean if this guy does this kind of thing, maybe he's done it before, maybe he'll do it again and, and you know, the sort of uh, settlement is is kind of like, you know, he gets away with it, but he has to, you know, pay a financial penalty. Um, it's kind of, you know, that doesn't really help anybody else who might be a victim of his in the future. I mean, you hear that argument quite a lot um, is, you know, what are you trying to achieve by getting justice? Are you trying to just satisfy some of your own hurt or are you trying to actually you know, get justice out of this for not just for yourself, but also for society, because that's what law is for. It's protect society, not just us as individuals. Right. So there's that end of it, too. This guy's, you know, a sexual predator, perhaps. We don't know how how serious this is. But we also the other side we don't know is like maybe the the whole criminal charge thing was pursued. But, you know, the police or whoever said ah, it's just never going to stick, not enough evidence or whatever. Like the Patrick King so it was a secondary yeah. kind of, you know, a secondary attack. Right. Is, right. Okay, we can't get him criminally. But, let's get him financially. Okay, let's get all spiritual on this issue, though. Um, is there not something, a higher groundish, more spiritually enlightened, I don't know, about... Um, well, the buzzword now is restorative justice. The idea Why don't of, you just finish my thought for me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll take it back. 
we might as well be married. Seriously. Yes. Um, about isn't there something more spiritually enlightened about? Um, you know, I could do this, but I won't. I think they call it grace. You know, yep. that's the definition of grace. I could do this. You deserve this, but I'm not going to give you what you deserve. Well, that's I, mercy. That's mercy. Dang. I knew so it was one of them I, good things. I don't know if this is connected, but I was just watching Gandhi last night, an incredible film. And there's this scene where um, a guy comes up to Gandhi and there's all these horrible things going on with the separation of India and Pakistan. And he says, I've killed a, I killed a little baby and I can't live with myself anymore. And so Gandhi goes back to him. What you need to do. He was a Hindu and he killed a Muslim baby. He says, you need to find a Muslim orphan. And kill it? No, take it on as your own, oh. and you need to raise it as a Muslim. And I think, in a sense, that's kind of restorative justice in, in the sense that you are not getting away with something, but you're also trying to say, make something better in the end. Okay, plug that into the, what we're talking about, though. Well, I, I, I struggle with the, the thing of letting people get away with stuff, and I think we've touched that already. I, I don't think God so wants to— So justice is different than forgiveness. Yes. yes I think justice is essential in this. Yeah. You shouldn't hurt people. You shouldn't kill people. You shouldn't steal things. I mean, our reaction as Christians, I don't think God wants us to be a doormat. Um, and I think, you know, we, because of God's mercy, yes, we, we do know that. And I guess the restorative part is maybe what we need to try and figure out. What does that look like? What does it mean in each individual case? Andy? Yeah. I don't know. Um, let me go far right wing on it. And it's like, you know what? Prosecute him, send him to jail, uh, let God forgive him. I'm not ready to forgive him yet. And that would be my, my take on, on the girl's part. But to, t- uh, to, to, to Ordo's point earlier, said, you know, what about the evidence? Maybe it was pursued criminally, and they just have no option. Um, so so the best she can do at this point is, and, and not reliving something through the court system, that that's not ultimately going to work anyways. It's, it's good. Well, get, no. Get, get some retribution out of it. I can I, yeah. From the conversation I've had in this scenario, the, 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 the authorities were saying, yeah, this is, this is, we can make this work. This is going to, okay. we can make this stick. Sure. It sounds like we're from the 40s. Uh, now, see here, Tim. This guy's a creep, see? Uh, <laughs> That's right. So they can make this stick, but, um, but the, you know, and then we go, okay, well, she's got to relive it, got to relive it, got to relive it. And we think, okay, well, that's horrible. But at the same time, well, okay, but if you, I think we've already said this, if you let it go, if you just kind of uh, do it, settle it out of court, then Buddy does kind of get free. There's no criminal record. There's no, you know, what if other, wit- yeah. other you know, other people find out about this and they call for other, other, uh, um, uh, victims of this thing, and all of a sudden, thirteen. You know, it turns into another Gameshi thing or something. Who yeah. knows? Yeah, yeah, it could, it could be that. But I, I think it's uh, you have to look also at his his side of things. I mean, even even uh, civil lawsuit or or whatever it was is is damaging in some respects, at least to the people who like his family. Right? I don't know if the guy's married or or what what's going on, but there's there's serious consequences there and damage that's on his, his side. So it's not like he's getting off scot-free that way, but certainly from a criminal point of view, he's getting off scot-free. Yeah. And who is Scott? And why is he free? Yeah. And what know. was the name of the movie again? Uh, Tim? Brave, Braveheart? No, Gandhi with the Wind? <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. Let's just... Uh... Frank Lee's I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Lee's Okay, stop. I'm going to get in trouble here. Um, we are in the middle of the pub crawl here on the Drew Marshall Show with two uh, quite old friends of mine. And I'm not sure if I said that right, but it doesn't matter. Andy and Gordo on the phone with us. Let's move on to topic two, guys. Let me just read this here. Ayahuasca has been used in religious ceremonies for centuries. It's called the vine of the soul. Ayahuasca, by the way, this is an article from Huffington Post. I want to give them the, the props here. Ayahuasca is a brew typically made from the um, hmm, from some vine and 
some other leaves that grow predominantly in Brazil, but I can't pronounce them, in Peru and other areas of South America. Uh, the resulting tea contains DMT, which the Drug Enforcement Administration, otherwise known as the DEA, classifies as an illegal hallucinogen, despite its long history of use in religious rituals. Ayahuasca is frequently referred to as a medicine and has been used by shamans in South America for centuries, though it has only garnered popular awareness in North America in recent decades. On September 25th, so yesterday, dozens of doctors, researchers, spiritual teachers, artists, converged on L.A., and I wish I could have stayed uh, for this conference, for a three-day conference to discuss the use of ayahuasca and other psychoactive plants for spiritual healing and personal growth. The Visionary Convergence, as the event is titled, aims to, only in L.A., really, uh, aims to bring awareness to the growing interest in um, entheogenic plants, defined by Oxford Dictionary as chemical substance, typically a plant origin that is ingested to produce a non-ordinary state of consciousness for religion or religious or spiritual purposes. This interest is starting to have legal, cultural, and academic effects in the U.S. In 2006, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Mm, something or yeah, it's called the UDV Church, Unio de Vegetal Church. I know I'm not saying that right. Had the right to exist and to drink ayahuasca during its services. Do they have one of those churches up here? I have no idea. I gotta find that church. Um, ayahuasca is also appearing as a topic of one of the workshops at the Parliament of the World's Religions, a major international interfaith conference taking place in Salt Lake City this October. So, um, this got me thinking. First time I found out about ayahuasca was in Sting's memoir. He went uh, basically it's it's a shamanic thing. You sit around in a circle, or maybe do it by yourself if you're Sting, <laughs> and you drink the stuff. You get really sick. You have diarrhea. You vomit. You you convulse, and then you have these incredible uh, visions. Um, and many people say that that it is the most spiritually enlightening thing in the world. And so for, for someone like me who's been whinging about the fact that I. I'm spiritually numb in many ways. You know, Bruce Coburn and I have had a conversation about ayahuasca, um, survivor man, Les Stroud. So then that now goes into this conversation, marijuana, which is now legal in many places. Mm -hmm. So Jesus people are going to freak and say, look, if it's against the law, you don't do it. Okay, but what if it's not against the law? And what if it really does bring you into a, into a, a spiritual state? That is ultimately beneficial for your spiritual life. Am I just... I want to go with Gord in this one because I, I kind of have a feeling I know where Gord's going to go in this. So, Gord, um, what would be your opinion on this? Just give him a second. He's having a, having a puff. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just his tea. Yeah, he's got to have some it's chips a, now. Some tea and well, chips. Well, I mean, okay, first of all, let's, what does the Bible say about any of that stuff. Does it say anything? Well, you mentioned before, you know, if it's, the Christians would say if it's against the law, you can't do it. Well, if it's not against the law, does that mean you can do it? I don't think so. I think the Bible's pretty clear about drunkenness, which uh, maybe is, and certainly in terms of the, the biblical perspective, generally means alcohol, but I think that you can extend that principle to anything. Alcohol is not illegal, but you can still get drunk on it, and that's not okay. Um, what about so comfortably how, numb? Is, yeah, how comfortably? Yeah, what about a little buzz? Let's uh, what is that? What you want to, do you want to go there? Do you want to talk about that stuff or not? I don't know. Well, anyway, it's all it's all part of it because it's all part of it. Yeah, I, where do we draw I, the line? Well, I, I think it comes down to you, you be the judge of that. You and your own conscience before God. But uh, you know, these this drug is a hallucinogen, as is uh, as was LSD, 
and you hear you heard all the same claims about that with LSD in the '60s and stuff. It's you know, it's uh, but it's a root, it's a plant, it's a plant. LSD was your consciousness. LSD was stuff. made by by mad scientists. Uh, this Working is just, for the CIA this, trying to get rid of the hippies. <laughs> this is just crushing up a root, man. Yeah, yeah, I know it is, but that doesn't make it right. I'm I'm sorry. It doesn't doesn't make it right. It's I think all this uh, you know religious. Uh, so God made this thing, experience. and so it's bad. Well, maybe maybe this thing was the the forbidden tree in the garden. It wasn't apples after oh, all. Oh, that was a good one, Gord. Um, so like all this you know religious expansion stuff. I I just wonder if there's any staunch atheists who've tried this and had religious awakening. From this, I think I think it, you're predisposed to have this stuff and interpret those experiences as you know religious experiences. That's really interesting. Um, That's an interesting point, point Gord. Yeah, and you know you'll believe what you want to believe in those kind of situations. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's nonsense to think that this is uh, anything but what it always was. It's it's you know those um, shamanistic religions that use that you know historically for their religious practices and to think that you know people that think that they're going to you know get to know god better or whatever god is to them through this well they probably will but that's not god that's whatever they deem to be wait so what i what i just heard you say was if you're high and you have a religious or spiritual experience it's not god uh well i didn't quite say that i said that if that, that if you are having if you're Using these kind of things to to get some kind of religious high, you, you know what you're going to find is what you want to find. It might not be God. I doubt if it is God. Okay. I don't. I don't think the Bible teaches us that we need we, no. that, that we can get close to God by doing these things, and that's one yeah. of the practices we need to pursue to get close to God. God can get close to us, but there's nothing we can do to get close to Him other than just give our that's cool. lives over to Christ. That's cool. I was no, I was uh, well said, uh, counselor. Um, so, uh, I do know a guy who, who actually, uh, uh, sub- like he, he started his Jesus journey while he was high. He was tripping on something. No, I know um, somebody like that too. Almost burned yeah. his retinas out staring at the sun. Thought he saw Jesus walking <laughs> naked in front of him. Really? And from yeah. that moment on became like super Jesus guy, not ir- well, he was a little irritating, but super Jesus guy. And it was yeah. legit. Like it wasn't just a hippie high kind of deal. Anyway, uh, Andy, your take. Double rainbow guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a full-on double rainbow, man. What does it mean? What does it mean? Taste the spiritual. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Skittles. Yeah, look at that guy. Uh, well, who knows what he was on? But um, uh, Gordo's answer was great, actually. But uh, to, to add something to it, or at least the uh, whatever common man's uh, idea, it's like there's so many substances out there that you could claim to use to get closer to God. Could be could be alcohol. You know, some of these drugs, and you can call them a drug or a medicine or a hallucinogen, some are legal, you know, and, and look okay upon. You know, alcohol is fine, uh, at least for, for the common person, unless, of course, you abuse it. Um, you know, nicotine, bad, you know, not that you're likely to see God, but who knows? Someone might say that I do, you know, yeah. by using that, that drug. Um, so I, I don't know if it, I'd say it justify the legality or the, the the experimentation of a drug just because someone says it might get you closer. Yeah. Uh, you're going to try it whether you're going to want you know whether whether that's the intent or not you know whether legal or not. You, if if you're predisposed to do it, you're probably going to do it. See what happens. You see, I think we we justify rationalizer. We dance around Everything. this stuff all the time. We just talked about this earlier. The notorious sinners club sitting around having a having a whiskey or two. 
and having phenomenal spiritual the best honestly i know this sounds horrible and i have already told everyone from the get-go i suck as as a spiritual human being but some of the best conversations i've ever had the most the most lasting penetrative um penetrative is that a real word sure it is now um um wow conversations have been over some pints or over mm-hmm. you know some drinks like i can remember talking to uh, two of the world's leading witches in uh, in UK in a 15th century pub, and we were pounding back uh, uh, Cascales, and it was unbelievable conversation. And I'm not saying that conversation wouldn't have happened if the ales weren't. You know, you don't have to have ales to have a phenomenal. I'm just saying there happens to be a correlation. And and in society today, in this day and age, what's who's the pariah? The smoker. Yeah, you're you're talking and, about people, you know, conversing, discussing, hammering things out. Uh, and maybe there's uh, alcohol or some other substance involved. Yeah. But this isn't that. This is essentially... Psychotropic you know, just, substance con- exactly. taking over. Yeah. Just, here's, here's, I, I just want to close on this. All right. This is, this is the closer. Ready? Oh, I was going to say something. Shut up. Ready. So when I was talking to my attorney, he brought up this uh, anthropologist who was welcomed into a tribal community in the middle of the jungle or whatever, and they hardly ever let anybody in, but they welcomed her in. She studied and watched and studied and watched, studied and watched. And what she found out was that there were very religious people, and they had these rituals, very specific rituals that they followed all the time until they didn't follow it. And she couldn't figure out why they would, for example, this is a horrible example, in one religious ritual they would use that log until that log fell apart. And then they wouldn't substitute it with another log. They just wouldn't use the log anymore. They changed the ritual. And it was like they were so ritualistic about things until they weren't. And so she asked them about this. And their basic response was, look, they, they were a monotheistic, believe, believed in one God, believed there was a creator, and uh, weren't in complete understanding. So we're like, we don't really, who are we to think we really understand God? And if there is a God, then God understands us. And God understands that we are schleps. We are doofuses. And we get it wrong. And then we wound up about th- some things. We're not wound about other things. And we're just not that wound. Like, we, we try. We try. But then when it doesn't work, or we forget, or whatever, eh, we move on. And I just thought that was such an interesting concept from this uneducated, you know, pygmy tribe in the middle of whatever, that they understood the difference between a, 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 a god and its created, pathetically trying to come up with ways to interact with this creator. I thought it was interesting. And I think the ayahuasca and the drug and the alcohol and society in Western and North America, the way we all kind of stumble around trying to think we got our, we got our, we got the market cornered on how we interact with God. Every tribal Every tribe does that, and every every sub-tribe does that. And it's it drives me nuts. And that's what I have to say about that. And that's why marijuana is illegal. And that's why marijuana is illegal? Yes, because the cotton farmers were afraid that hemp would be used and take over their market. So they had lobbyists, and this was back in the, the early 1900s. You are SMRT. And that's how it's illegal. Man. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the pub crawl. And I, I might say, one of our best ones ever. Uh, because these two guys are are very authentic friends of mine, and I, I actually care about them, and that's the end of this mushy moment. Uh, Andy, Gord, thank you both very, very much for processing that with me. My pleasure. Okay, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend, boys. Enjoy enjoy a few drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Not out of Waska. Sure. I know. I don't know about you, but I've been on the toilet with severe diarrhea once or twice, and I've been calling out to God. So Yeah. <laughs> I don't need no ayahuasca. <laughs> I don't need no ayahuasca. <laughs> Ain't got time Ain't for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Just need a cold pop. 
Andy Bannister. Andy Bannister is the author of The Atheist Who Didn't Exist, and hopefully he will exist right after this break on our show. 